know that on Mondays, we have Man Combo Mondays for my series, It's Healing Time with Men Hurt Too, where men get to share their truth. And this is the disclaimer here is that this is do-it-all's truth. This is his opinion. He's not speaking for every man. He's speaking from his experiences. He's speaking from the conversations that he had with other brothers. So I wanted to bring do-it-all do pray kelly on he is one third of the legendary platinum selling 90s hip-hop trio lords of the underground he's an actor a tv film producer a community activist co-founder of 211 community impact 211 media do it all is one of the most ambitious black men i have ever met in my whole entire life oh, wow i wanted him to come on wow. there is a stigma out here that first let me welcome do welcome do what up? What up, Trey? I'm well, over here playing with my computer. What's I'm, happening with you, man? Good, good, good AM, man. Good, good day to everybody out there. It's yes. raining here on the East Coast in Newark, New Jersey, man. So I don't know if the weather had the technical difficulties going crazy because I never experienced that. What I experienced with Zoom this morning, but it was we here though now. It's gonna be so good. That's why it was they're trying to stop us. But I've known Do for a number of years, and I have seen him go from being a rapper to owning a studio down in Newark, New Jersey, to being active in his community all the time. I have admired him from afar and up close. I have seen him do things that a lot of people would say, well, you made it on your own, so why are you doing this for your community? He loves Newark. And I'm, I'm just really, really here to say I'm so proud of you because a lot of our Black men are getting a bad rap. A lot of our Black men don't get the recognition that they deserve. And I wanted to right. just come on and have this real conversation with you about ambition. Right. First, I want you to start like I start with all of the men in this series. The series is Men Hurt Too. If you just tuned in, you're tuned in the hashtag Coffee with T, and I'm T, and I'm here with Do It All, Do Pray Kelly, and we are talking about ambition. I want you to start off, we always start off with the guests telling us a little bit about their blueprint, their background. What's your, what was your relationship like growing up with your mom and your dad? Um, so I'm Dupre Kelly, everybody, like Trey said, better known as Do It All from the legendary hip hop group Laws of the Underground. Born and raised in Newark, New Jersey. Um, I grew up with, with my mom, you know. Uh, she was a single parent. Um, maybe about eight years old, she got married. And um, people don't notice, wow, I'm about Uh-oh, you froze, dude. And to a guy who became my stepdad. Okay. So at the, at the time my mom got married, uh, my last name was Williams. You know, so he adopted me. And changed, oh. changed my last name to his last name. So my stepdad, that everybody knows as my, as my dad, the guy everybody knows as my dad is actually my stepdad. You know, because I never really had a relationship with, with, with my, uh, my real father. And um, the, only, the only encounters that I remember with my real father are very few. I remember being eight years old. Um, we lived in the, in the South Ward. Uh, 17th Street, Clinton Avenue. I remember walking up to him. So I remember seeing him on the street. I knew who he was. Um, plus his family lived on my block too, so.
you guys hold on. We're having some technical difficulties right now. Can you hear me, Do? I hear you loud and clear. Everything looks good on this side. You froze a little bit from your side. You said his family lived on your block, and then it got quiet. Yeah, it's crazy today. I don't know what, what the deal is, man. The wind uh, out here is bananas, so we're going to try. Yeah, I hear it. I hear it. I yeah. just looked in my front room, and it's it's water all over. I left some windows open. There's water everywhere over there. But anyway, um, so I remember my um, seeing my real father when my stepfather was about to adopt me, him and my mother had just got married. And I remember seeing my real father and being a young, naive guy, I wasn't even 10 years old yet. I went up to my real father and I told him, you know, thinking I'm gonna hurt his feelings or something. I was like, yeah, you know, my, my um, mom just got married and, and I'm changing my name to his last name. He was like, all right, whatever. Oh, <laughs> you know, so that was the, that was the first encounter that one of the encounters that I remember. And then, like I said, my, my dad was a street guy. So my brother, my older brother and I were actually in a shootout. He was in a car shootout in a car chase and they were shooting at each other. So we were in the back seat. So my mother was like, you can't never go with him no more. You know what I mean? He, he can only see you here. And then another encounter I remember is when, I don't know why I remember this. I think I was a little younger, but he had got locked up for some reason and they took us to the precinct. And I remember being there with him crying or something as a young child. And I kept crying that the police had to put me in the cell with him for me to be quiet. So I was locked up in the cell with him, probably about six, seven years old. So there's a shootout, there's a being in jail, and years later, I thought my mother came to pick me up from there, and I found out that it wasn't my mother. It was it was his girlfriend that picked me up, lying, saying that she was my mom. So now, fast forward to teenage years. So, teenage years, I'm I'm on a corner selling weed in my in my neighborhood, you know. And who comes up to buy weed from me, and did not recognize I was his son? Whoa. So at 16 years old, I remember that day perfect. You know, it was two guys with me. I won't say their names on camera, but it was two guys with me. And back in those days, if you were hustling, if you was a teenager, you know, in the late 80s, we had a shooter with us. We had somebody out there just in case if somebody tried to come rob us. And that's all they did was watch the people who was working. Wow. <laughs> and long story short, these guys started to slap box. And the guy with the gun uh, had hit one of the guys in the face, slap boxing, and they started chasing each other. So they ran away. When they ran away, my real father walked up to me and asked for two dime bags. And I was about to, I was about to signal to the house where he go get it to say that we good. And then I noticed that this was my father. Oh. I looked just like the guy. You know, and he's looking at me. I had a I had a New York Yankee baseball hat on. I remember the day perfect. And I looked at him and I was like, wow, this is my dad. This is my real dad. Wow. So I was like, I was like, yo, you want what for me? And he was like, you know, he he trying to cop, so he trying to get it and get up out of there. So he's like, um, he like, yo, yeah, let me get two dime bags. And I said, Whoa, wait a minute, hold up. Now I'm 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 trying to make him realize who I am. So I look at his face and I say, you want what from me? And, um, and then he was just like, uh, 
you know, like looking like I want two dime bags. Like, like, what's up? I need two dime bags. You good? Now I'm getting furious. You know, I'm 16. I'm getting furious because my my dad does not recognize his son. Mm. So I, I had a Yankee baseball hat on. I turn it backwards. I look him in his face. Now I'm kind of getting aggressive. I'm like, yo, you want what from me? And he's like, yo, if you ain't got it, man, you know, he started backtracking. So I'm like, yo, man, you better get up. Now, now I'm mad. I'm cursing. I'm, I'm probably so enraged, probably the most enraged I've ever been in my life. Wow. At 15 years old, because here it is, my biological father does not recognize that he's trying to buy weed from his son. And um, so I'm making a bunch of noise, and, and the, the guy that with the gun is running back up the street, like, yo, dude, you good? Because I'm I'm making them, you know, I'm making a scene. So my real father starts to backtrack. Like, he's trying to get up out of there now. Like, this dude tripping. My, my boy's running back up with the gun. And that's why I, I believe, man, that, you know, sometimes the universe don't let, allow things to happen, man. Because if he not slap box with my other guy and ran down the street, the enrage, the, the fury that I felt at 16 years old with my real father not recognizing me trying to buy weed from me, I probably would have took the gun from him and killed my father that day. Wow. Like, like literally, like, because I promised myself after that, that if I ever seen him again, that I was going to beat him up and rob him. This is a 16-year-old young, young black male growing up in Newark, New Jersey on a, on a corner in Newark, New Jersey of 19th Street and 13th Avenue. Right. You know what I mean? So I promised myself. Two years later, I got my record deal. Right. So one day, one day, um, I, uh, when I when I got my first check, it was around my mother's birthday, so it was, had to be like March. And I remember taking, you know, telling my mother whatever she wanted, she can get. So I remember taking her to like every single mall in our area. We started in the morning and we went to every mall. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm 18 years old, so I'm thinking I'm doing something. I take her to every mall and you know, and. After we leave the last mall, I remember asking her, did she want anything else? And she said, you know, it was always this store downtown Newark. And ironically, I live right around the corner from it now. She yeah. was like, um, it's always this store. It was always this store downtown Newark, a boutique that I could never get nothing out of, that I always wanted to get something out of. So I was like, let's go. We went downtown. And this one, the club was out. When you put the club on your steering wheel so nobody can steal it. Yep. I had one of those in the back seat and driving down um, Bramford and Halsey, between Halsey and, and Broad Street, I see my father, there used to be a bar around there, and I see him with his back turned talking to somebody, and it was crowded downtown. My mother doesn't know all of the stuff that I already had in my mind, what I said I was going to do when I see him. So I see him, she says, just nonchalantly, like, wow. There goes your father. Mm. So instantly, two years prior, kicked in. And I was like, where? And she was like, right there, talking. I threw the car in drive, probably jerked the car and everything, grabbed the club out of the back seat, left the door open in the middle of the street on Bramford, and started walking behind him. He did not see me. I had the club in my hand. And my mother jumps out of the car, and all I remember her is screaming my name, like, you pray. And I just turned around. It seemed like the whole downtown turned around. And she just looked at me like, in, like, 
in disbelief and like looked at me like, what are you doing? And that moment is when I, I broke out of it. You know wow. what I mean? Like, I don't know if he turned around because I didn't look back at him, but he probably did because everybody turned it out. But I don't think he still noticed what was happening. Wow. And, and I walked back to the car and I got into the car. And that day, that night, I forgave him for, for never being in my life. Because, because my mother said to me, you know, she was like, what was that about? And I just told her what it was about while we were driving. And she said, you can't never let nobody ruin your life. I don't care if it's blood. She said, you just, you just signed a big deal that, that can change your life. You, you know, you're going in the right path. Don't let somebody uh, not seeing your worth or seeing your value let, allow you to destroy that. Because they're not going to care. He doesn't care. He doesn't care this far. So why would, he, why would he care? You'll destroy your life because of how you feel about him. And that's when I noticed, too, stop getting caught up in your feelings because your feelings and your emotions as a man sometimes can get you in trouble. And I'm not saying don't have them. I said don't get caught up in them. Right. You know what I mean? Because when you get caught up in them, then you start to do things that you would not, not prior, you know, normally do. And, and this is what, what happened with, with me and my dad. So that's like just one of my stories growing up in North New Jersey pertaining to my hurt. Yes. You know what I mean? And that's why we're here. So if you just tuned in, you're tuned in to Hashtag Coffee with Tea. This is my series, Men Hurt Too, where I give men a safe space and an opportunity to share that they are human beings. And this is what I want the world to know, especially Black men. I want the world to know that Black men are human beings who have a history and experiences that have molded them and shaped them into who they are and that they do have feelings and emotions and that they do hurt. So I was supposed to do this series from, for just for March, just to enlighten women during Women's History Month of what it is to be a black man. I just wanted to give them that gift. But then I had, I booked up until the end of June with so many amazing black men who came forward and said they wanted to hear their story. So if you just tuned in, I am talking to the legendary do it all, do pray Kelly, who was one third of Lords of the Underground. If you're from Essex County, I'm from Essex, I'm Essex County girl. Mama was a Rolling Stone. We lived everywhere, Northeast Orange, Irvington. <laughs> so I'm here with Do, and I want him to just share now. We're talking about ambition, and the reason why I wanted to bring Do here is because the story that he just gave was so powerful. This is a young black man who came from the streets, who was raised by a single mother, and thank God that a man came into his life, another black man came into his yeah. life, adopted him, gave him his last name, raised him and sent him on a path of success. So a lot of people say that black men lack ambition. I just want you to speak to that real quick about do black men lack ambition or do they actually lack someone to give them direction? I, I doubt very seriously. Like we don't lack ambition. Not at all, Trey. We don't lack ambition. I think that's a misconception. I think we lack the tools that help us obtain the, the ambition. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many fellows that I know, so many men that I know who are ambitious. Right. Even, even look, on my album, I, I'm working on a new project, right? It's probably like my most personal album ever. And when I say personal, I feel like I've always been truthful with my, my songs with Lords of the Underground, but I've always omitted the personal side. Right. You know what I mean? Because we were taught as black men or as black people, you know, you don't share your, your private moments, uh, your personal moments with everybody because we're so used to having uh, people use those things against us in, in our uh, growing lives. So I don't, I don't believe that we lack ambition. 
Um, because I have a song on the album, like I said, called uh, Dope Boy, right? And this Dope Boy record is a, it's a, actually an inspirational record. It's a, it's a, my personal inspiration, me coming up, I said that all of our leaders were killed, um, you know, murdered or, or thrown in jail, enslaved. That's, that's how I grew up seeing all of our leaders, you know? So the leaders who we look to were the people who were probably into negative things. Right. Now these negative things were the dope boys in my community, the dope boys in my city. And, and believe me, I'm not telling anybody to glorify selling drugs or anything. What I'm saying, I didn't even, I didn't look up to them because they sold drugs. I looked up to them because they were ambitious. Right. I looked up to them because they had fly clothes on, they had the girls, they had the material things. Because material things to a young black male in my community meant success. Wow. You know, the, you know the, the things that you have are the receipts of your life. Mm. You know, and that's how I looked at it. So when I see these young men who were hustling and selling drugs at the time, it's not that I wanted to sell drugs, it's that I wanted the same ambition to get the things so I can have the receipts of success. And that's what it was in, in our eyes. So I say that they were ambitious because they were geniuses the way that they did things illegally. And, right. and now, and, and let me clarify, because I don't want to take people to take this out of context. In slavery, when all we had was the scraps to eat, we made a cuisine out of the worst part of the meal. Mm. You see what I'm saying? And that's all I'm saying is that in our community, geniuses and men with ambitions make meals out of, out of the worst part. Right. So yes, they are ambitious. But because that meal is not cut from the fine meat of the cow, or because that meat is not come, come from the, fine, the finest part of, of wherever you're getting your meal from, people say, oh, they're not ambitious enough. No, wow. they are ambitious. But if the playing ground was even, you can tell how the, the success and the, and the ambitions look in, in black men's eyes, and, and, and they will be a, be a, their story will be different the testimonies will be different. Right. I don't know if you've ever seen a, um, a social, um, it was like a social um, experiment where they had, with a track coach, he had his white track students and he had his black track students. And he told his white track students, I want you to run all the way out there to that cone, two feet away. He told the black men, take one step. He told right. the black girl, I need you to run, run halfway up to where the guy of the other white guy ran. He told the, the black guy, take one step back now. Wow. Then he told him, run all the way up to the to almost to the goal, the white person. But stop, don't cross the goal. He told the black man, take two steps. So therefore, he was trying to show the white people on the track team as the black people is that you're always gonna have an advantage in life. And this black guy has to go through this mental uh, movement, even though they're working harder, they're working just like you, they're, they're probably stronger than you, probably faster than you, but because of the, the path that is made for us, right. we have to work harder, we have to work stronger, we have to jump higher, think, think smarter. And because of that, people say we're not ambitious, or we don't dream enough. And I disagree. I think that, that just the, the tools, the path that is created for us, we have to do more 
right. at any given time just to prove that we are um, just half or just a pinch of what they think they are. Right. Man, I look at you and I look at Jay-Z and I look at Puffy and I look at Kobe and I look at LL Cool J. And I see you guys created a brand, a lifestyle, not just a rapper or an athlete, but you created multiple streams of income. And I want to know, where does that come from when you are expected to fail or to just be average? Where, where does that motivation and that ambition come from when you was on the street at 16 and your dad didn't recognize you? What makes you move forward to say, I'm not staying here? Well, I mean, it's just survival instinct. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that I lived in Paris, France for a year. So I, I got to live out the country. I got to travel. Thank God for hip hop, man. And, um, and it, it's definitely a blessing. It's definitely an experience. But what that, what that comes from is survival. Right. Survival mode. You know, um, that's what I don't want to be like how um, my family members were. Right. I don't want to be like people who came under us were. I don't want to be that person who uh, just makes it or becomes a statistic. And, and you know, I was born in the 70s, raised in the 80s. So I like to say I'm an 80s baby because I was raised in the 80s. But being raised in the 80s, you couldn't fail. Like you, you had to not fail. You couldn't be like, like the people who didn't make it in your community. So it was survival of the fittest. That's why you had people doing illegal things to try to make their lives better. And, it, and, and when you have six, look, back to this reference. When slaves made a delicatessence out of pig, out of the worst parts of the mill, it became um, a gourmet. Right. It became a, a, a delicacy, right? So when we, and when we make the best part out of nothing, the powers that be, and this is why I know that it's something against people of color and, and people, you know, black men especially. Because when we make something out of nothing, then the powers to, that be come and say, oh, we have to make stronger rules because they're still succeeding. Wow. So when, when, when we have success by doing something illegal, by selling drugs, then they, they drop. If you sell a pinch of crack, you get 20 years. Right. You know, um, if you do this, then you get this amount of numbers. Where our predecessors, where, where uh, our counterparts, where the uh, Caucasian people get a slap on the wrist. Right, right. You know, so that greatness, that inspiration, and, and I got to thank you for just putting me even in the same breath with a Kobe, with a Jay-Z, with, with all of these great guys that you mentioned because it's, it's humbling, but it's the same thing. It's it's not wanting to fail and doing is, you know, taking the Malcolm X mentality by doing anything necessary to show our greatness, to do anything necessary to feed our family, to put food on the table. That's all it is. It's, now, now, mind you, I'm not saying that in that process, things are not hurt. Things right. don't, things, people don't get destroyed. Lives are, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen, but it's by any means necessary. You know, if you don't feed a tiger, I just finished watching uh, Tiger King on Netflix. If you don't feed a tiger um, what it's supposed to eat, probably $10,000 worth of food every year, then somebody will feed you to the tigers. 
Right. Wow. Wow. So you just said something that you're humbled to be in that group of men, but you, you are in that group of men, regardless right. of if their income, if, if it's an extra zero on their bank account, right. you have gone from, and, and this is why I wanted to bring you on here to talk about ambition, to let people know, it's not, and you say this too, it's not where you're from, it's where you're at. It's That's not right. where you're at, it's where you're going. So mm -hmm. you come from a space just like they did. They came from different avenues and different areas. And we don't know their story of what their life was like with their father. But I want young people that's listening to this, and even people our age, because we 80s babies, like you said, we grew up in the 80s. So we were born, mm -hmm. I was born 69. So I, Ooh, okay. gotcha. I was really born in the 60s. But <laughs> we, I want the people our age to know that it's not too late for you. Like wherever you came from, and are our young black men in the hood because I see you in the community and that makes that just really blows my mind that you go back like all the time and I'm gonna ask you that question why is it important for you to even get back to your communities and I'm not saying a lot of times I know your ambition is wrapped around I, I've never made it I'm not to where I want to be but why did you find that it's important for you to go back into the hood and to feed these young men opportunities and things to show them that you can do this. Because like I said before, I spoke to a young man before. He said, I don't lack ambition. I lack direction. So why do you find it so hard to go back to the community and do this for your community? Right. Um, that's a great question, man. You know, the reason why I go back, like, like you said, the young man said he lacks direction. The reason why I go back because it's so important. Like, I came up with a lot of guys who did not make it. Right. Did not make it. And not because they didn't know. That, well, one thing is they didn't know how, and the risk that they took cost them. See, when you're building, something has to be destroyed. Whoa. I don't care, I don't care what level you're on. When you build, something has to be destroyed. That's why they call it build and destroy. And, and you know, People on both sides are going to argue. The people that's building are going to say, this is great. We need this to move ahead. And the people that are being destroyed is going to say, you're taking what we've built or what we have away from us. But how can you have one without the other? That's balance, right? You build, something has to be destroyed. Something that's destroyed, it's like, oh, man, they're building this new thing. The people in our community, these young fellows, these, these young women, and our community, the reason why I go back is because I want to show them physically what it looks like. I want to know that, I want them to know that it's tangible, that it can be touched, you know. Um, and, and when you see from afar, it doesn't, it does um, um, not just inspire, but it influences. Right. But that's, when you see from afar, it influences. But when you see up close and you can touch it, it inspires. Wow. And that's different that's a different type Inf influence is super powerful influence is powerful but i just take the theory when you're under the influence of anything then you're really not yourself you're what? trying to as if uh, as of or as if you know what i mean you're trying to be like but when you're inspired i mm. think inspire comes from in it's in spirit Right? Inspire in spirit. So when you're in spirit, then that's the God. 
then that's that's the the true the true light that's walking in you where you can add on to greatness that somebody has already created but they can only really get that inspiration when you're touching them when you're right there um god bless um amiri baraka senior he told me i lived in um like i said i lived in paris i lived in raleigh north carolina when i went to school for for years um i also lived in brooklyn for about two years but I was living in California for a year as well. And when I got with um, Amiri Baraka Sr., we were doing this video, Flags, with Naughty by Nature, where Ice-T was around. And we had the gangs, the real gang members, um, on Clinton Avenue in Newark, yep. you know, facing each other. Real, real gang members. And all of the Gs brought all that, made all of that happen. But Amiri Baraka Sr., who's our mayor's father, saw me, and I used to call him OG, and he was like, dude, he pulled over, he said, what's going on out here? Because we had the gang members out there. It looked like it was about to be a war, but it was a video called Flags. Right. And, he said, and I told him, I said, oh, this is a video, OG, because I call him OG. And he said, wait a minute, you have the real gang members out here and it's nobody doing anything to anybody and these are the guys that's tearing our city up? I'm like, yeah, he said, how did you do it? I said, you know, I'm thinking like it's nothing. I'm like, it's nothing we just all came together and we said it's a truce as long as we shoot this video right he said wait a minute you guys set a truce up with the music video he said that's power he said you need to pitch your bucket where you lay because you know i'm california and i said pit my bucket where i lay he said yeah you need to be here he said the problem is our superheroes always leave us leave from us and give us directions from afar he said but what i mean by pitch your bucket where you lay he said just say you're um, a brain surgeon. And you, he said, there's nothing wrong with going away and leaving to acquire knowledge. But right. he said, bring that knowledge back. He said, just, just say, for example, if you're a brain surgeon and you're the best brain surgeon in your field, everybody needs to come to you for your expertise. But you take your talents to Cedar Sinai Hospital in LA. Then people who, who are not from there have to fly in. That changes the economic development for restaurants, changes it for hotels. People who are there, they get to, to um, enjoy your expertise and utilize your expertise. He said, but, and utilize your superpowers. He said, but imagine if, if you are from wherever you are from and you take those same superpowers back to your city, back to your state, then you've just changed the economic development of the hospital, the hotels, the restaurant, and everything surrounding your expertise because you're one of the best at it. So if you're one of the best at it and, you don't, and you're not that example for the people who are coming from where you come from and they can't touch you, then you're not being a superhero to the people where you come from, to your people. So I said, you know what, man? I moved right back home after that year, right? I came right back. And I said, I want to, I want to be able to be touched by the people. You know, I wanted to, I want to be an example for the people and I want them to be able to see me and, and feel like they really can do this and give them real words. Because how many people that you know that you can touch that really made a million dollars or really have these travels or really have these experiences? Right. It's not a lot, not no. a lot legally, you know, and right. if it is, our, our culture is so used to hiding the plug and never sharing the plug Ooh. that we don't even know those guys who are, are that successful because they hide it because they don't want people to pry into their lives or, 
or try to take advantage of them. So that's a whole nother case. But right. just answer your question again. I'm here and I'm back because I want people to see the example, a realistic example in real time. Wow, that was so good. And you said people are hiding the plug. That is powerful. And saying hiding the plug, from I'm gonna go to my next question, from another angle of hiding the plug. Does the world focus more on lazy black men than they do on men who are successful and ambitious? Do the world focus more on, we hear so much about negativity in black men. So mm -hmm. are they focusing more on that or is the, hug, is the plug hiding itself? Well, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts to that question, right? And I'll just go with, with, the, with the one that I know that is common. Now, I don't want to. I don't want to make everybody seem like everybody comes down on the black man. But it's right. more. It's more than two. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a higher percentage that does, and, it, and it's it's documented. So I'm not making it up. You know what I mean? Um, but I think that hiding the plug. You know, it's like when when the world focuses more on the things that are beneath us, the things that are less of us. Because I just said to you, it's, a, it's important for other black men and women to see black people moving positive in a positive manner. Because right. if they do not see that, if they, they do not witness that, it becomes a myth. It becomes a fairy tale. It becomes almost impossible. But when you're sitting right next to the person, when you're walking in a, in a store with the person, when you're sitting in a restaurant with the same person, when you're driving down the same streets, when you're, when you're going through the, people are like, oh, wow, it is possible. So right. the world, as you say, will show, um, will show black men the deep, in a lesser position because it's really about the deconstruction of the black man. Right. It's really about the deconstruction of what we've built up. Like I just said earlier too. When a black man makes something out of nothing, now they make laws and rules to make, make that harder for him to make something out of nothing. We're gonna, put, we're gonna put a negative five on that nothing. So now he has to climb higher. Right. Oh, he climbed, he climbed that negative five and made it out? Okay, now we're gonna put a negative 10 on that zero. So he has to climb even higher. So yeah, it's important for, for uh, people to see like people do great things so they can see that becoming great is not as far as they think it is, you right. know? And I, and I was, I'll talk to a woman one time, right? And this really, this really, she really like ticked me off, but I try to contain myself because I'm a, I'm a advocate for black men because I have three black sons. I have a 20 no year old, a 20 year old and a 10 year old. And you're not going to say certain things about a black man. Cause what you say about a black man, you're saying about my son. And I was talking right. to a woman one time and she said, uh, she was tired of black men because all black men lack ambition. And I was thinking to myself, do you think that as a lot of black women or the experiences that you had in the conversation that you may have had in barbershops or with other brothers, do we as black women, and I, I want us to notice as black women who are listening, do we as black women punish an ambitious black man who is running a business, traveling around the globe, uh active in his community do we punish him by complaining that you don't spend time with me and you don't do this and you don't do that but ambition takes some absence you know what i'm saying so does ambition a black man feel punished? right so does a black man 
feel punished by black by black women because we require different things and we say different things to you. You know what's funny? Um, I had this conversation, and I won't say no names either, but uh, I almost can't say certain things because they don't know what I'm talking about. Right. But I'll say this. Uh, I had this conversation a little while ago about um, with a few of my friends. Right. One of them, one of them became a um, professional athlete. I can't even say which, which, because my friends will know what I'm talking about. Um, a professional athlete. We were in a hotel room of, it was like four of us, maybe five of us, and we were just talking about our successes. You know, uh, one is a professional athlete, two of us um, became hip hop stars, one is a big computer guy, uh, one owns a real estate company. So it was like talking about all of the successes. We were talking about who has children at this time. This was about 10 years ago. Though. We were talking about um, who has children, who has wives. So one of the guys who's very successful has a wife. She's a white girl. Right. Right. So we had jokes initially. And we don't have nothing against white people, man. You know, only the white people that have something against us. Right. You know what I mean? So it was jokes initially. But then he got serious. The guy who's married to the white girl. So we, he actually used to talk to a, a black girl that everybody used to like. Right. So we said, man, whatever happened to her? You had such and such. Why did you marry her? And he said something that made me think. Now, I know a lot of people out there are going to have their own opinions on it, but this is just a real life situation that I'm sharing with you guys. Right. So he said to me, after we joked around, we all got serious. And he said, um, man, you know what it is? He said, this is the only white girl that I've ever been with. And we said, wow, it's ironic that you married the only white girl that you ever been with. Why? When you had such beautiful black girlfriends and one that everybody wanted. He said, you know what? Every black girl that I, that I was with never had a father in their life. Right? Yeah. Black girl. Never had a father in their life. He said, so every time that I was doing what I was doing and he was, you know, striving to become successful, which he became, he said, they always downplayed it. They always pushed me away from it. You know, um, they always, uh, their mother always told them, you don't need no nigga. You don't need no man. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't. When it comes to a man, always the point in the finger. Oh, you a weak ass dude. You a da 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 da. Always combative with him. And he said, that's only because she grew up with no father. So her mother grew up with no father. So all she did was pass down of how to be a woman from a woman that didn't have a father to another woman who didn't have a father. So every time she got a good black man in her life, she couldn't even recognize who she had in front of her. You know what I mean? So she pushed and pushed and pointed until he met a woman who just happened not to be black, who grew up with both of her parents and never gave him that. Never pushed at him like, nigga, this, you can't do this. Well, she probably wouldn't have called him the N-word. But you can't do this, you can't do that. And you, But she pushed him, baby, you can be great. You can do this. Oh, you want to do that? Let's do this. So I'm not saying that every black woman is like that. I'm just saying this is an experience of a story that a friend of mine told me who's very successful. So when he finally encountered that after college, he fell in love with that because all of the pretty, dope black women that he had was the ones that was doing this. Right, right. And he didn't like that. So when he met the one that said, what do, what do we got to do, babe? 
right. Let and me I, push I, you, babe. Let's go. And I talk about that. In my relationship, I have I was married for a long time, and the relationship failed because he was busy. But he wasn't busy, he was ambitious. There was the, and he's very accomplished now. But I couldn't see that. So him being him being ambitious and wanting to be successful content required a level of absence that I wasn't necessarily ready for. So when another dude came into my life who really didn't have ambition at that time in his life, it was just fun and paying attention to me. I couldn't see that it, he was going somewhere. So I see right. a lot of women, so I like to ask black men, do we stifle your ambition? Because if, if you're ambitious, we should be pushing you to say, you know, like like I said for you, for Kobe, for Jay-Z, for Pop, these, these are, you guys are men, you have to have a level of absence in your family. And saying that, how do you maintain that balance or should you just be on your path if you're a younger man or even should you just be on your path of ambition until you get to where you're going or like your boy who found the white woman and I don't think he picked her because she was white or should right. you go with whoever is pushing you to be ambitious I think that you have to be ambitious in your own space and this oh. would be a dope dude talking because I probably would never answer like this Ooh. the younger person to be but I think that you have to be ambitious in your own space. Whoever you are as a man, you have to be that way. Whoever you are as a woman, you have to be that way. And then you have to bring both of those ways together and they have to be a cohesive connection. They have to be in tune. They have to be equally yoked, right? Because right. if they're not, if you're trying to make your partner happy, it's not probably gonna work. They have to make themselves happy. Right. You know what I mean? If you're trying to um, uh, do something for your partner that is going to push them ahead, that's all well and good, but they have to want to be accepted. They have to be accepting of that, right? Meaning right. that whoever you are, you have to be in your space and be who you are already. So when well, you enter a relationship, you can tie it all in together. Because if you're trying to make your mate something and she's trying or he's trying to make her something, it's not going to work because all they're going to become is what they, what they want it to become anyway. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. And, and that's just it. Like, for instance, you can't, if you're not, if you're not happy, you're never going to be able to make your mate happy. Right. You understand? You already have to be happy in a relationship. And these are just my opinions out there, people. I know people probably have a bunch of question and own answers but you have to be happy within your own space and for in order for the relationship to have a joyful experience because if you're trying to make your mate happy or or she's trying to make you happy it's not going to work no you know you have to be already happy so you have to make yourself happy Yes, happiness is an inside job. So if you're just tuned in, you're tuned into Hashtag Coffee with Tea. And this is our Man Convo Monday for my series, Men Hurt Too, where I give men uh, safe space to share their truth. And like Dude said, this is his truth. This is his opinion from his experiences in life. And I'm going to talk about, we were just talking about women and, and how a woman can stifle your ambition, but not know that she's doing it because I need time. I need time. You don't pay attention to me and that balance not being there. But then you're saying... Every black woman, that, a lot of black women that I talk to, not every, but a 
lot of yeah. black women I talk to say black men are not ambitious, but when they are, we talking about he don't ever spend no time with me. He always out on the road. He don't call me when he out on the road. He doing this, he doing that. So we can't have it both ways, ladies. There has to be some balance. We have to have some understanding that a brother is trying to get somewhere. So some absence is required. So I know that you have a project coming out called Brenda's Son. And yeah. And Brenda is your mom, and I know that you love your mother, and I have experienced you with your mom because I try right. to show up to your birthday party every year. No and doubt, you always show love, definitely. I try, to, I try to show up unless my kids are doing something they ain't got no business doing. But the <laughs> one thing I love about the dynamic of you and your mom, and I want you to talk a little bit about her because I know your ambition from somewhere came from her as a black mom. Because a lot of times, as black people, but black moms, we get a rap and with how we raise our black sons because we do do some damage to y'all i'm not gonna negate that but every year when you celebrate your birthday you celebrate your mother why yeah i just feel like you know on my birthday is the day that she gave birth that's right. the first time she ever gave birth so that's her right. birthday to me i mean i know we get caught up in the calendar the human calendar and you know these human experiences but that's her birthday Right. She, she, that's both our birthday. That was the right. first time she ever gave birth. You know, I just believe women are gods because they're the creator of lives. You know what I mean? They give life. Right. You know, so, so, um, but my mom, man, when I've witnessed her grow up with no man in her life and, and, and then don't get me wrong. We had my stepfather for the, for those two years or whatever they were married. Right. And I got to give him a shout out too, because he, you know, for another man to come and take care of another man's child, I just give them salutes always. But my mom, just to see her, her strength of what a black woman is, it just have it just makes me respect women in a whole nother sense. Not just black women, but but especially black women. Right. You know, because you know that was my experience seeing the uh, trials and tribulations of this young. My mother had me when she was 18 years old. Wow. So to see this young black lady uh, with, with book bags on, picking me up after she came from Exes County College, standing on a bus stop with her at 9 p.m. at night with a book bag on one shoulder and a bag of groceries in the other, and me holding on to her jacket like this. You know what I mean? Every time I see a young lady on our bus stops or walking, after 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. with a child, I really want to stop and say, can I give you a ride? And I know that they don't want to take it, but it, right. that's the feeling it puts in me because I know that was me. I know that was that me and my mom. And I know what she's going through because I seen my mother cry when she didn't see, know that I was watching her cry. Right. But we'll wake up the next morning and do it all over again. You know what I mean? And to... And then when she had my sister, to have two children maneuvering through streets like Newark, New Jersey, which is similar to Oakland, which is similar to Detroit, which is similar to Cleveland, and yeah. other cities, you know what I mean? It, it, just, it just showed me, you know, I started to see the cape stick out of, her, out of her jacket sometime. You know, I started to look for the phone booth that she was running in because she couldn't just be doing this with normal human strength. Whoa. You know what I mean? Like, she, she couldn't. She couldn't. It's something, it's something else that uh, uh, a single parent mother, especially a single uh, black woman, does. You know, I've seen her take the scraps from her earnings and, and, and make it seem like that we weren't poor. 
Whoa. I, I, I seen her, you know, like they say Jesus turned water into wine. Well, my mother turned nothing in the, into to food every night. Mm. My mother turned nothing into clothes on our back. My mother turned nothing into to, uh, a roof over our heads. Then she must be Jesus <laughs> in my eyes. You know what I mean? So that's the way I looked at her. I just was like, wow. And what really did it for me that I would always honor, honor thy mother is a friend of mine at about 11 years old, I used to be with every day, got killed. Ooh. And that day he asked me to come with him. You know, come with me, dude. I'm about to go down the hill. Now nah, I'm going in the house to write rhymes. I'll catch up with you later. We're 11. My mother runs in the house maybe about an hour or two later. And in my Keep the Faith video that will be dropping soon off the Brenda Sun album, I have uh, Muju Thomas playing my mom. Um, and she grabs the character that's playing me in the, in the video and just holds him. And this was a true story. My mother ran in. I had a Walkman headphone on, writing raps in my notebook. And she just came from behind me and just held me. And I, it startled me. I looked up, looked at her. I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she just wouldn't let me go. And then she said, have you been outside? And I said, no, I've been in here writing rhymes. She said, I think something happened to Ricky. Oh. And I was like, what do you mean? I was just talking to him about two hours ago. She said, yes, yeah, police, ambulance. So I jump up to run out. And she said, no, don't go. She stood in front of the door. And she said that whatever, whatever kept you in this house, how do we take it to the next level? Wow. And now my mother, we're talking about late 80, mid, late 80, mid 80s. My mother hated hip hop because it was new. It was that boobity boobity boobop that she said. Right. <laughs> you know, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to, that ain't even music. I don't know what you guys doing. You just worry about going to school. That's what she used to tell me. But since hip hop kept me in the house that day, my mother, who she, she took, our rent probably was about $600 at this time. She took $450 out of our rent to put me in a studio because I told her the studio would take me to the next level. Redman was my DJ at the time. Wow. She sent us to a studio in Harlem, New York. I think it was on 140-something in, in St. Nick. No, 104th in St. Nick, something like that. We went to Ready or Not Productions, which was a studio in Harlem, and we made two records and a video with, our, with my rent money, with my what? mother's rent money. Excuse me, my yeah. mother's rent money. Yes. And, and what she did in that moment is she showed love and took her own money that she did not have to support the dreams of someone she loved for something she did not like or understand. Wow, sacrifice. So when you support something that you do not like or understand because of the person who is passionate about it, you love them, oh, that's unconditional. Wow. That's taking a leap of faith. You know, yes. listen to what I said to support something that you don't like. Right, yes. Because the person who likes it, you love them. Wow. That's powerful. And that's only the strength of a black woman because if that was my father or a man or a male, he probably would say, man, look, you're going to do this. Right, right. I'm put my foot down. I'm not taking this rent money to do that. We worked hard. For you're going to do this. Right. And I don't even like that. Right. You know what I mean? But this woman, something she did not like, she supported anyway because the person who liked it, she, she loved unconditionally. Wow. You know what I mean? And, and now, 
she took that little bit of money and that money changed her life. Yes. Something that she did not like actually changed her life because she loved the person who liked it enough to support her. So wow. that's why my mother gets the props, man. And she, my mother was a singer. So she, when she had me at 18, she was in a group. She was singing at the Apollo. She gave up that dream to have me too. So that was the second time she sacrificed. So why couldn't I just sacrifice to show her the love as well? Wow. And that's why I celebrate her on my birthday. I and beyond. Love, I love, love, love that. And the thing that I love that you said the most about your mom is you got an example. You got a prime example. And I was wondering where your ambition came from. And you just said as a little boy at the bus stop in Newark at 9 p.m., your mother was ambitious with that backpack on her back. I'm going to get my family to where they need to be. And that's something right. that, that was embedded in you, where you probably right now just have an aha moment with me to say, where does your ambition come from? From an right. example of somebody who just got up and said, I'm going to school. I'm not going to fail because I had a child at 18 and I'm from the inner city. I'm not going to do that to my babies that I decided to have. So let me get this backpack right. and go to Essex County College and show them what it looks like. So I love that food town. Let me get this right. food town back, and we're gonna yeah. we're gonna trump it back home. That's that's ambition, and and just in itself, like to look at that, to have that picture in my mind right now, to say where did Jude all get his ambition from? His father was buying, trying to get two twenties, two tens from him on the corner. His stepdad right. tried and 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 came into your life to give you what you needed at that moment. But your right. mother has been there to be an example of ambition for you. So I commend her. I want to ask you. One more question, because we're going to get off at 1030. And I, I hate to go, because I could just stay here with you all day. Because I no believe... Doubt, yeah. Sorry for the technical difficulties. I know that killed us for about 20 minutes or so. No, no, we went over and we passed over into the time, because we usually only do okay. this minutes. But I kept you here a little bit longer, because, like I said, you are one of the most ambitious Black men that I know, that I have personal touch with, that, I, that I've seen you not only encourage me and inspire me, but encourage and inspire a circle of people around me and the respect is just due. I want oh, you to just say, no, you like, you don't, sometimes we don't see ourselves, and we, we, disturb, we deserve, even though we're humble and we don't want to, we deserve certain accolades because so many of us, we get to a level of we have what we want, we have what we need. And I was talking to Nadine and Genevieve, two of my autism moms who started nonprofits. And right. I, I kind of, Nadine I, is the homie too. She's, yeah. she's so dope. She is. I, I commend them because all of the resources for autism, they know them and they could have just took it and ran and said, yo, me and my family's okay. So right. I commend and I love on anybody who says it's not good enough for me to just be okay. I need my whole community to be okay with Most me. Most definitely. And a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people get their money, get their fame, get their fortune and say, as long as I got the big house, the mansion and the cars, that's not my responsibility. Those people are lazy or they need to do what they need to do. But to go back and circle back when you have and bring that plane back down and put two more people on it and go back up to that 10,000 feet is a gift and you're living in your purpose. So I want you to tell me, what would you like to tell any black, I was going to say young black men, but we got some older black men who have not been allotted the opportunities that they should have had a long time ago that struggle and people think they lack ambition and you're lazy. What would you tell the black men who are listening to you right now? Man, I, I would tell them something that uh, one, of my, one of my good friends, uh, Bishop Purnell says, man, is uh, 
When you love, you create opportunity for those you love. I would just say, really seek the love from the people that love you, you know, and create, show love, give love. One thing I can say, man, is that I've had, man, I've had such an incredible life thus far for me. You know what I mean? Yeah, it might not be Jay-Z money or it might not be 50 Cent or Diddy money or anything, but you gotta understand, man, I, I've had an incredible life. Like, I really have no regrets and I live with my setbacks, if that makes any sense. Yes. But that, but that comes from me. The, the, most, the most incredible thing that I've, I've had beyond my hip hop career is giving back to my community. Uh. Because when I give, I receive these things that I've never expected. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you know, I, it's just amazing that I can walk into a store and, a, and a, the person behind the counter says, yo, you do it all, right? And this is after records. So there's right. no cheap rock out or nothing, you know right. what I mean? And he says, yo, I like what you did in the community, man. This one's on me. Or I walk into a, an establishment and he's, oh, yo, you do pray, right? Oh, man, right. go ahead. Got this one. You know, right. that just amazes me because I can afford to pay for it. But because of what I've given to the community, you want to give back to me? So it just shows me that black men out there, man, it's going to be hard. It's, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. It's going to be hard. We have to jump higher. We have to run faster. We have to outthink. We have to think smarter or think differently. And we have to stay on ourselves. We have to be, we don't, we can't look for validation for those who are not giving it to us because help is not on its way. It's within you. Oh. Help within you. It's not on its way. Because if you think it's on its way, it's never going to come. You have to, you have to travel further so people to see that white flag waving. You right. have to hustle harder. It's in you. Become happy with who you make yourself, who you turn yourself into. Yes. You know, turn yourself into something that people will notice you. People will understand what you're doing. Younger people can look at you as an example because from a, from a baby to seven years old, it's very impressionable. Yes. I seen, a, I seen before all of this happened, I seen a little um, kid, excuse me, a little child in a barbershop, um, all-star barbershop. I was think I was getting my beard shaped up or something. And uh, I was in there and a five-year-old was dressed like his dad. You could tell it was his dad day, you know, and you could tell he loved his son. But he was in there just cursing up a storm. Right. Yo, yo, this, this B and this da da da. And I just looked, I didn't look at him. I looked at his son. And when I looked at his son, his son was just looking up at him like this. And I said, wow, he's recording. He's recording everything. Whoa. You know what I mean? So yes. even though you have the greatest intentions for your young, for people are watching. And they're recording. These children are recording. That's why a child can know the music word for word and not know the homework assignment. And the, right. You know, because they're recording the things that are interested to them automatically. And fathers, you are heroes. You are superheroes to the young, to young black men. So be that hero, man. Lead 
with, with, a, with a different foot forward. And I know that's easy to say because a lot of us don't get the tools and the understanding to be able to, to know that we are that superhero. Just find the love within, man. Love yourself and other people will love you too. Ah, that, I love you. I love you so much, dude. I, could oh, just, man, I love you too, man. Man, I could sit and talk to you for days because you are a wealth of knowledge and you are authentic and humble. And just to be around you is a blessing. And I want you to know oh, that. Thank you, man. Thank you. That means a lot. To all the black men who are listening, this is a brother who came from the streets. This is a brother whose father did not recognize him on the corner. And he could have took that and made that as, a, as an excuse. And he could have said, nobody is showing me what to do. And my mother's a single mother. He could have made a whole bunch of excuses. But what he said, that's so powerful. It's in you. And he dug deep to that thing that brought him to the man that he is today. And that was ambition and lack of excuses to say, I could use this as an excuse and just be on the corner for the rest of my life. But I deserve better as a black man. I deserve better as a human being. So, do I thank you for being here. Thank you, Trey. You are incredible. Please, like, I know that one thing I love about you is you are successful, but you, in your mind, and this is just my perception of you, is I'm never there. There's always greater. There's always There's always better. And I'm always looking like, yo, when is he going to stop? He got a studio. He's a politician. He's in Lords of the Underground. I see you over in Germany. I see you overseas still record, still selling out crowds. And I'm like, yo, and then something else pops up. I'm like, does he know that he's successful? But what I admire and respect is that for me, you make me say, there's always more, Trey. There's always more. There's always more. There's always more. You know, just because you're a rapper. And like I said, I see LL Cool J. I see you. I see Queen Latifah. Like, I'm not just stopping at a rapper. I own the company. I yeah. own the production company, Tyler Perry. Like, no, I'm just not Medea. I own the whole right. studio. Like, I don't have to go to these other people to get what I need as a black person. I'm going to create that thing. And you've created so many things. And I pray for you. And I hope God continues to bless you. And tell your mother, she All just right. changed my whole like my whole feeling and love for her just went to a higher level than it already was. Cause I know that you came from a great woman. Yeah. She, she's really dope, man. And um, shout out to moms, man. You know, that's why I named the album Brenda's son. Yes. Talk about, that. talk about before we go out, I was just about to say that talk about Brenda's son, since we segue right to your mom and where they can find it, where we should look for you and how we can stay in contact with you. So, so Brenda's son, man, um, it's an album that I, that I got coming out. And I know a lot of people like, dang, dude, you still rapping. Man, it's just something that I'm passionate about. Uh, I created this piece while I was running my campaign for councilman at large. I used to come home after, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And this was my way to just to relieve stress. You know, I own my studio so I can record, you know, and um, I would come in and I record. And it just, it started off with me talking about, uh, my first song that I did was talking about when I had my girlfriend at, at 23 years old get an abortion. Mm. And I never was that, that serious on record. I never was that, um, you know, uh, revealing. And, it, and right. it, started, it started to become this process that I said, great writers, the great pieces that they've ever written were them being personal. When Marvin Gaye talked about his breakup with his wife, it became, you know, Barry Gordy was like, you're, you're a sex symbol. You're never going to, nobody wants to hear you breaking up with a woman. And it became his biggest album ever because he was right. revealing, you know. Um, and I just wanted to just be honest 
with my fans. And if you love Lords in the Underground and you love Do It All from Lords in the Underground, this is my first time. It's going to be a, a reintroduction to him. If you've never met Do It All, it's going to be an introduction to him. And it's just me being personal, uh, kind of reflecting on my past and telling you who I am now. And, and one thing that I've always remained through all of my different levels in, in my career is I've always remained my mother's son because of that strength, because of that bus stop, because of her taking the rent and, and uh, investing it in me, you know, um, mm. at an early age. So, yeah, man, you know, Brenda's son is coming uh, in June. We'll probably give you a first single. Now we'll probably start, you know, start to promote it. I have a, it's crazy because I have a, um, investor behind me, I, I should say. They don't call themselves record companies no more. Right. But um, that that uh, really loves the project, man. And they're, they're partnering with me to, to really give it to the masses the right way. So it's going to be a, a big launch and everything, man. Brenda's son, I got Leah Janae on there. I got my mother uh, narrating it. It's produced wow. by, by uh, Twin um, and Drew. Um, you know, it's, it's a great project, man. I got Crazy Legs on there. Uh, it's, it's a dope project, man. So we're we going to have some fun with it. I'm excited. And where can we find you? Follow friend and like you. Um, please follow me on Instagram at do it all, D-O-I-T-A-L-L-D-U. So it's do it all do. That's Instagram. That's Twitter. On Facebook, it's do it all uh, do Kelly. So it's same do it all do and then Kelly. Um, yeah, man, you can find me, find me all. And go to 211communityimpact.com. You can check uh, my nonprofit organization out there. We do a lot of different things in the city um, with, with the city government and the, the, the county government. Right now, we're trying to get PPEs for all of our essential workers from the fire department, police department, and a lot of um, nursing homes have been contacting me trying to get gowns and things of that nature. So we're trying to help them out with that right now. We're making sure that families, seniors, uh, that they get food. Um, shout out to Trader Joe's who are partnered with me into making sure that these families get food. Uh, we've cooked food for them. We gave them raw food. And we also now are doing, uh, shout out to uh, Melanie Johnson. She is um, partnering with me to make sure that seniors who can't go downstairs to the basement or seniors who can't go to the laundry room can get their clothes washed. So mm. we're starting a program where we can wash their clothes and make sure we get them back to them as well, man. So, you know, we're still here in the community, man, doing what we love. There's no tour going on right now. So, you know, it, it forces you to be creative. It forces you to, uh, to, to come out on the, the other side of this fear hole. Wow. Thank you so much, dude. Listen. Still doing it all. That's why I love you so hey, much. Hey, man. You got to be careful with the moniker you pick because you got to live yes. by it. <laughs> yes. This, is, this has been an incredible interview. If you just tuned in, you tuned in to Hashtag Coffee with Tea. I'm on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays from 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, usually till 9.30. On Mondays, I have men, my Men Hurt 2 series that I'm recording. If you missed any of the episodes, this is number seven. And I knew it was going to be special because it was number seven. But if you missed right. any... God number. Yes, each and every one of those brothers brought their truth. And I always say this, truth plus transparency equals healing. Remember what I tell you at the end of all my broadcasts, you deserve the best. Yes, I'm talking to you. You deserve the best. Now go get it. Peace and blessings. And remember Psalm 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. You can find me at www.treykearney.com. You can follow friend and like me at Trey Kearney all over. 
I'm Googleable. Do it all is Googleable. If you need anything for us, just reach out. Peace and blessings and stay safe. Thank yes. you, Sue. Thank you, man. And great show, man. Much success with it. I love the platform that you're doing. And I'll see you soon. Peace, Jack. Love.